We said we were having conversations that were hurting us. What was it that was hurting us? Like, let's, let's put some light on that. The inability to communicate was hurting us. Okay. And in our infancy here to kind of get our baby steps right. Isn't it awful you get to this point in your life and you realize you thought you had it under control, man? Have you ever met anybody who actually does, though? Have it under control? I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. Do you? No. Okay. I, I don't know either. And what I'm actually starting to believe is if we were walking through life thinking we fucking had it all together with how fucked up we were, we're not the only ones. Not by a long shot. No. And if anything, there's most likely people who don't think that they have any issues. Oh, I know a few of them. That have a fuck ton of shit that they're not dealing with. Welcome to Bear It All, the Kintsugi Chronicles, here on the I Am Not Okay channel, where we gather our broken pieces in search of gold. My name is John Bear. This is MJ Bear. Holly Bear is with us in spirit today. She'll be back on ASAP. Today, we'd like to talk about the podcast that we've put out already. In particular, discussing what we have noticed from those podcasts. The reason that we started this podcast was to bear it all, to talk to each other in a way that we never had before about things that we probably hadn't before or in ways that we hadn't before. And now going back and being able to look at that on tape, I can see personally a lot of the maladaptive strategies that we have, we have uh, used in order to survive our lives but not necessarily thrive. What would you? Th- what do you think about yeah, that, I, Mom? I agree with you a thousand percent. <clears throat> Excuse me, I've rewatched some of these videos three or four times, and I'm blown away over how much I missed in a conversation that I'm having with you or with Holly or all of us sitting at this table. I missed half of what was being said because I was busy thinking about what was just said a minute ago. Do you know what I mean? Hmm, okay. So I'm thinking about, say, something Holly said, and I'm thinking about it. She's talking on, and I'm still thinking about it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I so do. in watching it back, like you said, we're, we're, we're seeing flaws in the way we react to each other, sometimes the way we talk to each other. Yeah. Um, and I also saw one of my very early um, maladaptive behaviors I'd never seen myself doing it, but I know I do it. What was it? If you look, uh, especially Tony's video, every time you see me start to break down, I'm, I'm crying on the inside. I can't, I can't control it. It's, it's overtaking me in the moment. But what you'll see is I'm crying silently. I don't make a sound. And I develop that very early on as a kid because crying meant you were going to be mocked or abused in some way yeah. just for the sake of crying. You don't have a right to cry, right? I'll tell you what you think and feel and believe and be. The next thing you know, you're crying. Truly, you're crying, but you're holding it all in. Yeah. And the other thing I would do when I was a kid so as not to get caught crying, I would cry in closets. You, so you ended up going inside your closet in yep. like your house? Yep. Did like your sisters or anybody ever find you in there? 
how do you know you ended up in closets or you just remember like doing that as a little kid? a lot kid? of my childhood. Okay. Because mm-hmm. remember you used to tell me I, you used to find me in my room alone. I don't know if I went into my closet, but I would hear you and dad having an argument most likely. Right. And then you'd find me somewhere else not around you guys. That was hard to watch. Yeah. How do you cry silently? Well, <laughs> why do you think we had to cry silently? Oh, I know I had to cry silently. Why? Because I don't want to get beat or abused for being sad or upset about something. Okay. We weren't, we didn't have the rank to make those choices ourselves. I understand now why you think you couldn't cry then. Why has it continued into our adult lives? Actually, when it's just you or Holly and me, I can cry, no problem. Okay. Because I feel safe with my children. So there's an aspect of that. Yes, absolutely, okay. absolutely. Um, and because we have at least a somewhat better relationship than I had with my parents or I had with my husband, you're not going to um, mock me or abuse me mm-hmm. for being sad. Okay. Okay? Yeah. Uh, I think I'm doing it now because we are on camera. And there's a whole, there's people watching us. Yeah, but you wanted that, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. But I'm saying, I'm seeing what I've done in the past and how it's been brought into the future. And now it's reasserting itself. But you're saying that you still do it because people are watching us? Uh, And that's what I think I did in the video. In the videos that we've shot? Yeah, the Jimmy, I'm sorry, Tony video. Okay. Where I was, I I couldn't control it. I, I mean, I believe what the podcast has become is this space so that we can get these things out, right? Absolutely. And then do what with it? Resolve it within myself. How? How are you doing that based on what you've learned? I see myself doing it on a video. I'm going to learn how not to do that in a situation where there's no reason to feel unsafe. And I get what you're saying, and that sounds very logical. Right. However, how do you know now when that situation crops up again that you'll be able to utilize this new strategy? What will you be able to do I know differently? What causes me to break down to that what? degree? What causes you to break down to that degree? My son's death. So talking about it or no, just, just it in particular? Just it in particular. No, talking about it is actually exceptionally therapeutic for me. Okay. It really is. Do you, find, do you find it cathartic? What I find cathartic, no, I, I hate talking about it. I hate just talking. You know that. It is like the bane of my existence. Too many people sit and just talk and don't do And my issue or what I have learned and what I've come out of what I've learned from what we've gone, what we've been going through is that I'm not responsible for what happened to me. That's not my fault. Right. What I have done since then is my fault. So if I'm not where I want to be in life or if I'm having issues communicating with my mom or my sister 
that's not your fault. That's my fault. That means I didn't do the work to learn how to connect with you in a way that makes me happy. And so I don't love just sitting around talking about these things. I love talking about it and then immediately implementing the strategy so that I don't have to talk about the horrible things that happened in my life. I can put something in place to deal with it, process it, and move forward from it and make sure that it's something that doesn't haunt me anymore. I agree. Okay, well, that's... This is the first time, first time in my life where A, I've talked to my kids about it, and B, seen the results on the video talking to my kids about it. Yeah. So you want me to do something about it, and this is the first time I actually understood what it was I was doing. It's not that I want you to move through it and get on with it or, or do something with it. I don't want to keep talking about the same thing. Right, I understand. Well, I believe but, some of our conversations that we were having were turning into just talking about the same things. So what are we, where do we go from the talk? I would like you to put words to that. That's what I'm curious about. I need to deal with and overcome my insecurity in this regard. How do, you, how do you do that? Can you put words to that so people listening can understand your process? I don't have a process yet. I'm just now understanding it. So based on the information that you now have, what are you going to do differently? I don't know yet. Other than, well, what is it you're looking for me to say, John? Don't get mad. Please answer my question. It sounds to me like you just want to sit here and talk about it. I don't understand what you're going to do about it. And that frustrates me. I don't understand me. what you want me to do. That's what I'm asking. What's, what's... I want you to go to therapy. Or I want you to fucking talk to somebody other than sitting in your house and talking to your cat. I'm not there yet. Then I don't understand why we're here today and doing what we're doing Anybody who would watch this, what would they think is interesting or what would they get out of it? Because it sounds to me like we'd be a fly on the wall of you saying, I just learned that I have to do these things and now I'm going to go do them. Well, okay, great. But like, come back when you've done it and have something to talk about then. So what is it that we're talking about? We're talking about the fact that we never notice this behavior, these behaviors in ourselves until now. I agree. I've never talked to you and Holly about the day Tony died and what you went through and what Holly went through. I've never talked to you about that. I didn't know. I well, didn't know. Then, then maybe let's start there because you don't know what you're going to do with this pain and trauma. So, so what is it that you need to talk to us about to understand that you can then start doing something about it. Take action on it so that it doesn't keep showing up in our relationship. I have been talking to your therapist, John. I know, we just started therapy. I know, this is all very new. This is all very in the last month. Come right off the top with that. 
I think you think you're going to sound stupid or something if you don't have like a perfectly curated answer. Like I would rather well, you I said, just. I, I don't. I don't know what I'm going to do with the yeah. I need you to like dig and go beyond that, though. That's what it is, Mom. It's it's. Okay, but I'm, am like, I in therapy here right now? We're not in therapy right now. No. But what are we doing here right now? Like, who wants to watch us just talk about shit that we're not doing anything about? Who says we're not doing anything? That's what I don't understand. What are we doing? That's what I don't understand. Recognizing what we've done in the past and to get to this point. Are you aware of all of your behaviors in these things? Maybe that's what you should talk about then, because I guess I'm not. Like, I get super frustrated with you because I don't really know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about right now. I'm so I need about, more context. I'm talking about Tony's video. And every time I'm crying in it, I'm crying silently. That's not normal. And I've asked... Now that you understand that that's not normal, what can you do differently to make sure that you don't do that? Develop a strategy, John, so that when the issue comes up again about my son's death, I have a plan in my head. This is what I'll do the next time I'm confronted with that. Do you have any ideas what that might look like? That's what I'm curious no, about. No. That's what I'm interested in. I want to know what you're going to do about it. I'm going to be logical about it and put it all in cells and rows, John. And when I get it in that format, I'm going to develop a plan so that when this situation occurs again and I cry, I can cry. Nobody's going to come in and tell me not to. I didn't grieve, I didn't, I didn't. How deep do you want to go here? It's called bear it all. When Laura died, John, I had been ostracized from my family. Started in 84, Laura died in 1985. When she died, my family and I were still estranged. My, oh, exactly, my father and me. So when Laura died, we were still estranged. And there was nobody to provide emotional support. I didn't have a family. But let's face it, Brad's not the most um, empathetic person. And I, I don't, at the time, I don't think he really understood what losing someone felt like. No. So he wasn't there emotionally. I'm not blaming him, just saying yeah. that's what happened. The fact. Um, Poppy never talked to me about 
how I was doing regarding Laura's death. He was always in his head. Okay. So even though he and I still had a relationship, mm-hmm. I couldn't grieve. I had you, and your life needed to be on track. Yeah. As, as a, I don't know if you know or, or remember, when there's um, trauma in your family, it affects little kids the most and comes out sideways. Are you asking me if I knew that? Yeah, do you know that now? Not, not then, but oh, do you know that I, now? I do now. Yeah, okay. And unfortunately... I didn't understand that. Yeah. When Laura died. And I felt like I was cast out. I was, literally. So what I did in order to, to deal with it was to put life, my life back in some sense, in some order. Mm-hmm. So that meant doing all of the things for you, get you to school, get you fed, bring you home, play with you, all of that. Sure. Um, also meant, just go right back to work. Don't think about it. It'll be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you can cry at home when nobody's around. Yeah. The funeral service at the church, it's etched in my memory. And that's because even in death, my family couldn't put down the weapons, wouldn't put down the weapons. So we were at church for Laura's service. My mother and two sisters were on one dead of the casket, and then my father and me on the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyone who walked in would make that kind of holy crap. This, this, this family is completely divided. And, and it was literally a division in church. And I, um, damn, that was brutal. because I was there, but I was also being shunned and ignored at the same time. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember in, in um, Tony's video where Holly said she felt shunned by the kids at um, Jimmy's service. Yeah, I right? remember you, you sent a text about it. The exact words, I was shunned. She said it was five against two, them against you and Holly, right? At Jimmy's service? Yeah. That was Holly's words, the words she used, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's what happened when Laura died. Holly didn't know what happened when Laura died. I, I, I'm, well, maybe they have a version, uh, the kids. I mean... Just because maybe they have a version of what know happened. that she died, most likely, yeah. Right. But... <laughs> John, it's not only the same 
behaviors. It's, they're using the same words. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so, so I get what I believe I hear you saying is because you've been so stuck in this web that you're not even sure what you can do about it because you're still entangling yourself from it. And Holly's even tangled in it. I'm tangled in it. And so to, to know what actions you might take, you're not sure because all you've had to model on was secrecy and push it under the rug and not deal with things. Is, do I have any of that correct? Yes, you do. Yes, you do. That's the way it was. That's, those are the things that I'm attempting to tease out here. So uh, thank you for sharing what you just shared. I know that was challenging. That's how we get to these answers of the, like, the things happened to us. What are we going to do to make sure that they don't keep happening to us, at least in our minds, even though they might be years behind us? And I know you might not have the answer now, and I'm not actually asking you to like have it all together. That's not anywhere close to fair. And if just talking about it and you digging a little deeper like you just did to bring that nugget out helps you down the road solidify a different strategy, then this conversation was worth it. That's, that's, those are the things that I'm after. right? It, we can sit here all day and be like, yeah, we went through this thing and we're going to, we're going to, we're going to do better and we're going to plan on not letting it happen again. That's, that's not how it works. And that will not actually work. When shit hits the fan, we fall to the level that we have been trained at. We do not rise to the level of our expectations. So what we know when shit hits the fan is what comes out. And I would like to talk about things when shit isn't hitting the fan that might be challenging, that we can put into place that's a little bit harder to deal with, even consciously, like while we're working through it, but then when stuff hits the fan, it won't be as hard, because we'll have the strategy in place. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, after learning about like, so, so seeing us on tape and hearing Holly that, that she went through a similar situation and that brought up like an aha moment in you mm -hmm. that creates a little space for you, right? What would you do differently now? Differently in terms of? Well, instead of shunning somebody, instead of the same action that they did, what would you do differently? The you, right thing. What is that? To put my shit aside and allow anyone to grieve the person's death. That's what I'm talking about. Okay, what is, like, so. That's what I did when Tony died, John. You put your shit aside, in your words, and let everybody do what they had to do? Yes. Okay. I'm asking literally what that looks like. It looks like not shunning these people at Tony's service. Okay. Not bringing up any of the issues from the past during Tony's death. And you're saying that was done to you at Laura's funeral? Yes. Okay. That's exactly what was done to me at Laura's funeral. So you're, you're going to just not do what they did to you. Is that something, is that a conscious decision? Or is that just like a... No, that was automatic. It's okay. not something I thought. 
That's why I'm asking, because, like, why didn't you think about it? Why did you just do the different thing? Because it was the right thing to do. How do you know? Because my gut tells me. Okay. It's so, something I can live with. Okay, there are people out in the world that don't know how to trust their gut. So how did you know how to trust your gut? A lot of training on how to trust my gut. And the easiest way to do it is to, to make a choice about something in your life that you've made a choice about in the past, right? Like what? Oh, wait, I lost my train of thought here. Say it again. What you want to ask me? Like, what? Oh, my strategy? Your gut. Like, how do you... How do I learn to talk to my gut? No, talk... How do you learn to trust your gut instinct? Your gut is a yes or no proposition. You can only ask a yes or no question of your gut. Such as, should I go to a funeral or shouldn't I? Okay. When you make the choice, if you still feel queasy and off and your choice doesn't feel right, you made the wrong decision. There you go. Okay? That's... That's what you do, and that's what I've been consciously, since Tony died, mm -hmm. doing this. And I consciously say, it's not about me. It's not about my feelings. He was Tony's father. The, they were Tony's grandparents, right? Mm -hmm. But it wasn't me thinking these things. I wasn't making those decisions logically. Mm -hmm. I'm following through with, my gut says... These people loved Tony. Whatever is happening with the adults, they loved him. They have a right. And there just there wasn't any other choice other than do the right thing. Okay. Do you know what I mean? I think I know what you mean, but honestly, no, I don't. Could you put words to it? it what I said was I allow these people to grieve Tony's death. Mm -hmm. I don't have to love them. I don't have to like them. I just have to know in my gut that the people who love Tony have a right to grieve his death. I agree with you on that. And I have no right to prevent them. Okay. And I know that, John, because my gut said, yes, let these people grieve Tony. They love him. They need to be with as many people that love Tony as they can in okay. that, that time. Okay. I didn't do it, again, I didn't do it consciously. It was the right thing to do based on what my gut was telling me. I know, but now that you have thought about it consciously and put words to it, don't you believe it's something that is solidified and you know you will always do? Yes. This is what I'm saying. Most people do not understand why they do what they do. And if they don't put words to it, how will they understand their behaviors and actions? So that's what this is, is saying the words and putting all the shit out there, but then deconstructing it all and understanding where it's coming from inside of us. Do you really think I'm not doing that? Did I say that? No, I'm just asking. No, I didn't okay. say that. And I don't imply that because I think you know me well enough to know. I would just say that to you. I'd say, Mom, I don't think you're doing enough work or any work or the work. That's not the case. What I'm starting to see, thankful to therapy, is we're trying so hard that we're almost not able. It's like we want to love each other so much that we're hurting each other. 
because we still have these old patterns that we haven't consciously deconstructed together or maybe even haven't been able to and now we're getting the assistance to be able to do that and then here we are kind of putting words to the reactions that we really used to have. I don't believe it's in our best interest to continue to react to things that happened to us years ago in the here and the now if we want to move forward and be a true family. So that's like, so I think it's important to yes, talk and then do, and they work together. And everybody is on different points of that spectrum. So I understand if they're not ready to dive into the, I'm ready to do stuff. I'm not even ready to talk yet. Cool, well guess what? That's why we're doing us talking here. So they can sit at home and listen and they can at least have an understanding of, well these guys, they're doing something that doesn't resonate with me. Great, then you know, we won't do what John and Mary Jo are doing. We'll do something else. Does that make sense? That does make sense. That's, so it's all of these components together, right? But don't, don't we have to identify these things first? Yes. And I'm not being facetious. Uh, if, uh, if we didn't have this on video, I wouldn't be able to go back and listen to it and say, oh, uh, wait a minute. I've been in this place in my life before. Let me pull that out of the vault here. What did I do in the past when the situation arose? You know what I mean? Those are like the new repetitions that we're having to go through mentally. Yeah. Right. It's like when the situation comes up and you felt something similar before, what's the new thing you're going to do? Not the old thing. You know? And you, don't, you might not know yet, and that's okay. Let's talk about it. Let's figure it out. Let's not just keep doing the same things we're doing. And I'm not saying... We're not doing the same things we're doing, no. I'm not saying we are. I'm saying we have. Yes, we have. Okay, of course we great. Have. Well, then we're here talking about the shit, and this is why I'm digging today. This is why I'm getting a little underneath. And you dig with me. Ask me questions. What do you think I need to... What am I not looking at? What, have you identified any of your maladaptive behaviors yet? Yes. Okay. I am reactive, and I use anger as a strategy to be heard or push people away. Meaning, if something is said that my body and brain believes is a threat, I will react to it and push them away from me by getting very loud and go up over the top of them, and I will react, which really, I've learned is a way of shutting down emotionally and pushing people away. It's not opening, yeah, it's not opening up. It's not opening up and mm -hmm. inviting them in for a conversation. That was the strategy that I've learned, is to shut it down when things get too heavy and Come push it later. away. But the issue is when we're coming back later, we're coming back as if nothing happened. And something has happened. <laughs> and I believe that happens in a lot of relationships. And then resentment gets built. You know, It's like... That little blow up is like cutting somebody's leg, which is gonna heal pretty quickly. But if I do that thousands of times, all the time, then there's this huge gaping wound that never really kinda heals. It's always like a fucking raw nerve that I'm always constantly poking on and nothing ever gets resolved. And then there's not even a scab or scar tissue over top to protect from it. So we're not really ever dealing with it. That's what I do or that's what I've done. Well, we've never talked about these things before. How could we deal with them if we, 
If but, we didn't even know like, there were problems. But like we couldn't talk about them because we can't talk to each other because we get upset emotionally. So we had to go outside the family construct. Didn't our therapist say to us the other day, you guys are not a family. You are a bunch of individuals in a family unit. Yeah. We all act individually, independently of each other. We don't actually work together. Then no wonder we all feel alone and everything feels so heavy. Not only, like you asked the therapist to or you said that you want to do, be included more in my life. You never said that to me. And it's almost as if I should have known that, but I didn't. How would I? Because I was just acting how I grew up, independently. You didn't ever want to know about stuff before. Or if you did, you didn't literally say the words to me, which I do need. I'm a very literal person. That's something else I have learned. So when you say, well, do you know what I mean? And I go, no, I don't. I'm asking for you to give me more words and clarification because I don't actually know what you mean. And I've learned that about me. And that's why I use so many words. And I, I think this is, might be another strategy. I don't believe it's an over-explanation. I believe it's a way for me to be heard in that I want to make sure you're understanding what I'm saying. So I'm going to say it in a bunch of different ways. That way, when you leave me, there is no doubt that I said the thing properly. So I work really hard to do that. And maybe in the working of really hard, it's hard for me to listen in return. Why do you get prickly then when I ask you, what do you mean? You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? When I say, do you know what I mean? And you say, no, I don't know what you mean. Because I don't. Okay. But you get prickly when I say that instead of saying, I don't understand it. We're talking about mom. Because to me, we've had the same conversation thousands of times, and I, I, I shut down. I get prick. It's a reaction. That's me reacting. That's me saying, you're not giving me anything new. You're saying the same thing. I'm pissed off now, and I shut down. So I can get better at that and ask for more. What I've also learned is if the person that I'm asking more from doesn't give me more you know, pretty soon, then I push them away. And I'm learned, and it's not that I think they're bad or they're horrible or they suck. It's that if we can't even literally have a conversation where I don't understand you and I'm just getting frustrated and you're not doing the work to clarify what it is you're trying to say, there's no reason to have a conversation. I'm asking you the same question. What question are you asking me? When I ask you a question, you get all prickly. What and you question? I don't know any question. This Do you know is, what I mean? No, I don't. And this is what is literally no, no, frustrating me right now. No, I'm just saying, that's right one now. thing I say is, do you know what I mean? And you get all prickly instead of saying, no, I don't know what you mean, Mom. Do you well, see what I I'm just saying? told you why. Difference. I just told you why. But that pushes me away. When I, when I say, no, I don't know what you mean? No, when you push me away, when you get prickly. Is this a chicken or an egg thing? No, this is that you shut down a conversation at a specific point. I mean, I just told you why I do that. Did you hear that? Yeah. Can you, can you say what I said back to me? Can you tell me how I react you're, based on what I just said? Yeah, you're prickly. You don't want to hear the same things over and over and over and over again. No, that's not it. And it just shows that you didn't listen to what I said. Why do I do that? Learn behavior from the past. Keep going. What do you mean keep going? 
Okay, I literally just explained why I do what I do and you can't explain it back to me. Learn behavior from the past. What? I think that's an oversimplification. Why does John get reactive and blow up at people and yell at them and shut them down? Based on what in his past? His father. Help me out here, John. I don't know what you're looking for. I don't know how to help you when I say the words to you and you don't hear them. Sometimes it takes more than once to hear it, John. Come on. Mom, I get upset and overreact not just because of Dad. Okay. It was my whole environment growing up that you were a part of, right. that Dad was a part of, Holly and everybody else. I, like, I, I understand that. I don't think you do. I don't think you do. Because I'm looking in your eyes right now and you're looking at me like you don't know what I'm saying. These are the things that I think frustrate me. Because like, I don't like saying the same things three, four, five times. Why would I keep... It's a waste of my time. So, so what has to happen for like, you to be able to hear me or me to understand what you're saying? That's what I think we should be talking about. Because sometimes we're saying words that are not landing. And then we get frustrated. Right. And you say, you say, right. Like, oh yeah, I get it, duh. But you're not doing anything about it. You don't meet me in the next phase to, to get beyond it. Because I don't know. You're, you're looking for something specific, John. I am looking for the way out of these dumb conversations. What's dumb about this conversation? It's the first time we're talking about it. No, it's not. Jesus fucking Christ. It's, we're, just, we're doing it again. It is this same semantic, stupid fucking circle. So at this point, I feel like I don't want to continue having this conversation because I don't feel like I'm being heard and I don't know what to say to you. Like, so what is it that you want me to say or do? I just want you to tell me, I say, let's talk about this. But what do you mean by that? Because I don't want to just say words and then do nothing. Okay, what do you want to do? That's why I want a therapist. That's why I want somebody governing our conversations so we move forward in them. Okay, I agree Do you not you. understand that? No, I, if I didn't understand, would I have put in the effort to do this with you? I don't know. I, sometimes I really, like, like you show up, but what, what are we doing to, to, to get to a different place? Like, we're sitting here and talking for an hour. What are you doing for the other 167 hours a week that when we show up and have these conversations, we're not talking about the same things? That we can, or if we're talking about the same thing, we're moving forward from it because we understood something more from the last conversation we had. To me, it seems like we're having the same conversation. It's Groundhog Day to me. But we're not, we're talking about this for the first time. Talking about what specifically for the first talking time? Talking about seeing our behaviors on video, going back and examining not only the words, mm -hmm. you examine the metadata the body language. I don't hear everything that's going on in a conversation because I'm part of the conversation. Right. So I'm hearing you and Holly react with each other, you and Holly reacting with me. 
And I recognize one thing I've done all my life as a maladaptive behavior, and now you're jumping down my throat. I'm just how, learning how, it. How am I jumping down your throat? What am I doing about it? I just identified it. Can you give me a minute? Okay. Take a minute. And now what are you doing about I'm it? I'm going to do, I've told you what I'm going to do. Same thing I've been doing all along. Develop a strategy so that when this situation arises again, I'll go through my checklist. Does this meet? Does that agree? Does this? I'll go down my checklist. And if I have more cons than pros in the columns, I'll know I have to work harder to, to I mean, I, th I think you already spoke to this. So, and I get what you're saying. And I understand that you now in the situations you have some arsenal to not throw up the same walls. Yes, let me give you an example. Is that okay? Please. Um, wait a minute. When it comes to my family and any type of reconciliation with my family, at first, all of this was so raw and so painful, I couldn't think of anything. And then as time went on, it was still awful, it was still terrible, and I would get upset every time I'd hear about it, or I'd run into somebody, get something in the mail that references my family. So I had to come up with a way not to react as um, emotionally as I have in the past. Okay. So for me, I have two questions that I ask myself in terms of reconciliation with any of my family. The first question, has this person participated in any conduct that was intended to hurt me or my children? If the answer is yes, there's nothing more to talk about. Okay? If the answer is no, go to question two. Question two is, does the person who wants to communicate still maintain a relationship with anyone who answered yes to question one? If the answer is yes, there's nothing more to talk about. So what I'm saying is I have two questions that I ask myself in that situation. Every time I thought about did I do the right thing? Maybe I should contact my family. So I ask myself these questions when, when that happens. That's what I'm talking about. I, I have a strategy to say, and I'm, I'm perfectly fine with that. I don't fall apart anymore. When I run across, when I was running across people, you know, like my mother in town or in a store or what have you, uh, it was emotional. And, and it was driving me crazy because I'm going up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. If I put it logically in my brain, does this person, did this person participate in anything to harm my family? Yeah, they did. Sorry, there's nothing more to talk about. And I'm not heartbroken over it like I was then mm -hmm. because I put it in a logical terms and my gut says this is the right strategy for me. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Now? I do. I, okay. Yeah. So in, in this case where I'm, I'm looking at my own maladaptive behaviors, mm -hmm. I don't know what I'm going to do about them yet, John, but I promise you, 
I will come up with a strategy so that the next time I run into something like that, I have a strategy in place. I'm not asking for you to have like this perfectly solved thing. It was more, let's talk about what you might do then instead of- I'll put it in, in like, logical you know, sense and I give myself a checklist. It might not work for anybody else, but it works for me. It's not emotional, it's logical. Okay, but is it, are you suppressing emotion for this to happen? No. No, I'm saying there's nothing more there. There's nothing there. Push it aside. All right, I think the, the big aha and the whatever out of today is more the, we're looking at ourselves having these conversations as flies on the wall and understanding what the maladaptive strategies are. And today's conversation and conversations going forward can be more talk about what we can do to make sure we're not continuing and perpetuating those old cycles. Can I ask you a question? Sure. What would you do in that situation? Let's say you run into somebody in the family out in the wild. Sure. What's your strategy for dealing with that? See, I, that's like too nebulous to me. I don't under, like I don't understand what you mean. If you ran into one of your cousins. I would walk right by them. Okay, that was my question. I guess, like I, I have no ill will towards people in our family. Mm -hmm. I don't wish anybody horrors or pains or, or any of that. I, I actually want them to live the happiest lives that they can. I understand that there's things that either they did to me or I did to them or things that happened that were not good and unsavory and horrible. And quite frankly, I have reached the stage in my life where I'm only willing to tolerate people who will deal with what happened and what is happening. So if I saw somebody in my life who is not dealing with what is happening or willing to deal with what is happening, they don't exist to me. How did you get to that point? What, what was your... Um... See how you're asking me all these questions? Yeah. I'm it's not, the same thing I was doing to you. I'm not supposed to? No. <laughs> I'm the point trying to is, understand you. Right. Well, I was trying to understand you. <laughs> so, okay, fine. Ask me. So how did I reach these conclusions? How did you reach the, the, your, your um, conclusion that, ah, just walk by you? How, how did you get to that point? Uh, well, the simple answer is it was a decision to not continue hurting myself. Which can be unpacked if you want me to unpack that. Yeah. I started to realize another one of my strategies growing up was I, growing up in a house that was chaotic. You said it in one of our other episodes. It was yes. chaotic yes. at times, right? I learned how to not get hit. It's like whack-a-mole. You stick your head up, you get hit. So I shut down. I did whatever I had to do to get through things and move forward. So out of that chaotic environment, then come full circle or whatever to, to, to dealing with people in the here and the now, I started to realize in that chaotic environment, I would do whatever I had to to please people to not get hit or hurt or whatever. Well, that ended up showing up in real life. And I was attempting to please family members or please clients or please people in business. But then I would go home and be upset and hurting. It wasn't until some therapy, some an ayahuasca trip, a, mush, a bunch of mushroom trips, a bunch of 
personal self-awareness and introspection and journaling and and waking up in the morning still feeling like shit from that interaction I had yesterday and not understanding it and then attacking that, writing it down. I feel like shit because so-and-so, this thing happened and I don't understand it and I don't know where it's coming from. Oh, but now that I've written it down and I've given it its own space, I can look and realize I'm surrounding myself with people who don't care about me. Stop doing that. And stop doing that. Then I'm in finding myself around people who do care about me, who do want to make me part of their life, who don't just check the boxes with me and send me texts on Christmas or my birthday or whatever the fuck. I don't want those kind of relationships in my life and I'm not willing to do those kind of relationships with other people. So it took a lot of stepping away from the patterning and in the, the life that I was in, spending a lot of time in the dark with these thoughts and then coming up against the situation in real life. The last, the last situation where I was with one of our family members that solidified a decision for me, it was at Holly's housewarming party before COVID, three, probably oh, four right. years ago, like 2019. You made a bunch of food for it. I don't know if you remember that. Well, dad was there and all Holly's friends were there. I know you weren't. Jackie and I were there. And I don't know if we ever told you this story, so I'm going to right now. I was going into Holly's bathroom in the back. Dad was in the kitchen. Everybody was standing around. Well, apparently as I went into the bathroom, he said something to the effect of like, wow, she's a pain in the ass, but she sure can cook. Do you know who he was talking about? Mm-hmm. Who was he talking about? Me. Interesting. Because he had been divorced from you for like 20 years. Mm-hmm. And he said it in front of everybody who was at Holly's house Mm -hmm. while I was in the bathroom. Mm -hmm. So I, I, that was a situation where I did not react. And I, I believe when I go back at it, I look at it consciously. Had I been out in the vicinity where he was, I would have probably hit him, punched him, done something very not good. I would have reacted. I heard him say what he said, and I specifically remember having a moment of, don't do it. Right. And I left it alone, and I walked out, and I went home with Jackie that day. So four years ago, five years ago, whatever day that was, that was where I started to become very conscious of not continuing to react to the old patterning. Mm-hmm and walk away from it and or deal with it in a better manner that's not destructive. So I didn't yell at dad and I didn't hit dad and I didn't punch him. I didn't hit or throw and punch anything. I might have taken it home and been upset about it and then processed it through my workouts and journaling and all of the other things, but I didn't take it out on anybody. And so it's been a years of moments like that where I did react and then having to understand why I reacted because I grew up in an environment that was chaotic. It didn't allow me to have emotional space. So then when I would react emotionally, it would be over the top and most people couldn't handle that because it wasn't a natural reaction. It was a reaction 
in pain against whatever had happened to me. You following me so far? Mm -hmm. And with dad and that situation in particular, because I went home and I remember talking to Jackie about it and I was just like, I'm not going to do things like that anymore. So, so if I'm looking back in my life at moments that like, aha, or that might've been something, or I made a decision in that moment to not do what dad did. It's taken me four or five years to get way better at it. And I'm, man, I still react. I still react to you. I, I react less to him because I'm around him less. You're at least willing to be in the arena with me. So I, I believe you get some shrapnel simply by, <laughs> by being you, by, in the vicinity. By being <laughs> in the vicinity. And I don't do it, I'm not like, ah, here's some for mom. It's more like, you love me enough to take a little extra shrapnel or something. Oh, yeah. Well, not everybody's like that around me. The, 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 the double-edged sword of that is, I do. I've leaned into you so much that sometimes it becomes disrespectful or overbearing because I, I haven't had any other outlets. And I don't like how I react in those situations with you. That's why when it happened the last time, whatever, like six weeks ago or whatever it was, I stepped back and I was like, I can't do this anymore. We have to get somebody else to hear what we're saying and then we can move from there. Have, have you had any revelations yet in, in counseling with you and I? Um, the revelation, yeah. Have you? Yes. The okay. one was... Um, that you want to be a part of my life. Like, it's not that I didn't think you didn't want to be a part of my life. You just, <laughs> you didn't say the words, hey, John, can you tell me when you're going on vacation or, or tell me when you're doing something in your life or, or whatever, you know, like the things that you want to be a part of um, because we've been so independent. It's like we're all related by blood, but we don't act as if we're related by blood. I do. I mean, okay, I don't think we all do. So, uh, you know, feel free to. Uh, well, you know, John, there's been a that. lot of. Um, Why did you say shrapnel? We're still dodging shrapnel. <laughs> Whack a mole's a good, good analogy or landmines that we planted years ago that we forgot about and they're blowing up still let me ask you a question why would you why were you upset by what brad said why was i upset yeah that's a great question uh i don't believe like he's entitled to his opinion of you mm -hmm. he's not entitled to that opinion out loud in front of everybody in front of holly in front of her friends in front of me that is not something that is okay unless he's willing to hear the, the fallout of that. And we weren't ready to say it at that point. Right. However, however, I guess really it's like, bro, it's like 25 years ago and you're still shitting on your ex-wife. Like, what's your fucking problem? That's my issue with it. And then on top of it, this is your ex-wife and you're at your daughter's house and you're in front of all her friends. Why would you shit on her mom? Fuck you, you dumb cunt. Like, that's how I felt. I felt very shitty that he would do that to Holly. Okay. And I felt probably sense. overprotective of her in that, how dare you do that? Okay, that makes, that makes perfect sense. Like, how you got upset when he would do shit to me. And 
You weren't, I would tell you, but then you would get mad about it. I have it. another question, though. How the hell did he know I made the food? Because he knows you're fucking lasagna, Mom. <laughs> Isn't that funny, though? Well, Like, um, I wasn't there. And it was right, fine with me. It was your ziti, I guess. Yeah. Your ziti, right? Ziti, so. right. And Holly came to me, and she said, I want to invite Papa to my housewarming. I said, okay. Right, right. But you know how it works in, in the family. Um, Papa was in Jersey, so somebody had to go get him and bring him, right? Right, so that, right, right. So Brad had to come, and then um, Kevin. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think uh, his kids, maybe. I don't know that they were there, actually. Okay. Kevin I don't was. remember. Was he? Yeah. It was Papa. He might have been. He might have been. And, and the brothers. I uh, could be um, wrong. What the hell, where the hell is it going with that? Oh, yeah, she had to invite her dad. Right. Because somebody had to pick up Papa. And she said, but I don't know what to do because I don't want you to be hurt. I said, I'm not going to be hurt. It makes, to me, it made sense. Papa was getting up there in years, and she wanted Papa to see her home, mm -hmm. where she lived, that kind of thing. I think that's a lovely thing she did. Yeah. So, no, I'm not upset at all. I said, it's no big, I'm here all the time anyway, no big deal, right? Mm -hmm. But was it? Do you think she was like not upset a little bit that you weren't there? No, I don't. I honestly don't believe she was. Okay. And I'd have to ask her. You know what? We will. We will. But I don't really think she was. It okay. Was, she, pop, she wanted Papa. It was fine with me. All right. Will you still make the ziti, Mom? Of course I'll make the ziti. Mm hmm You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't get upset in situations like that. When you had your um, inducted into the Hall of Fame. Your high school football team? Mm -hmm. And you said to me, I'm inviting Dad and Papa and Kevin because they went to all the games. I said, well, of course. I invited you too. Right. And, and why wouldn't you invite your dad? And I don't have a problem with that either. You know, like you said, they were at every game. And they should see the, the complete result of their efforts watching you play football. I mean, I don't disagree. I also believe you should have been there, too. So I'll leave that yeah, at that. That's, but I was there. Not physically. Yes, I was. Me and Holly and the baby. Um, all right. No, I was thinking of graduation. Sorry. Yep. Nope, you were. That was Hall of Fame night you're talking about. The no. night I got inducted into the CB West Hall of Fame. Yes. Okay. Yeah, you're right. Because you took the picture of me and Macklin. All right. I... Retract what I just said. Okay, so you were there that night. They were there that night. Mm -hmm. All of that was good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess, yeah, like we're teasing out like what we would do now given situations from way back when. And yeah, we don't have to know, and I, and I don't think we should know everything, However, these are why I want to have these conversations, and they do. They seem like so fucking disjointed and sort of like not super crisp and clear because we don't have it down as like a second nature. It's not that way yet to no, us. It's not a habit. No, we have to do these things consciously. It's not a habit that right, we can have right. put into place. I agree. And then even if it's something that we all want to do together, there's the, like, why? Like, we, we actually have to tease out, like, yeah, we should be a family. We should do all this shit and fucking, like, care about each other and want to, like, not hurt each other. Why? Fucking families do it all the time. They don't give a fuck. So why the fuck should we be any different than them? Because I want to be different than them. So then how do we be different than them? That's what I want to we're tease out. This. We're okay. doing this. So we're talking. We're learning about 
what, like you said, what we did wrong in the past. And I don't want to say wrong, just we did what we knew rather than wrong, right? Mm -hmm. When you get to the point in a, in, in a relationship where you know right and wrong, mm -hmm. it should be automatic, right? We never got to that point. Well, you literally just did it, right? <laughs> Hold on. No, not right. But like, I get what you're saying because it's subconscious, right? But you know, it's a good idea to look at um, past, past circumstances and what would yourself right now do in yeah. that situation. Well, what's funny is you brought up like a, a concept before in one of the con uh, conversations we were having about like when I was playing football, we would, every Monday, we would sit down and watch the tape from the week before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what we're doing here. It's very similar to like, like we have our game tape out there now, the games that we've played so right. far, and we can go back and look at them and see what we did, what we did well, what we didn't do well, what we can talk about and, and like do well moving forward. So maybe in the here and the now to kind of like bring this one home and, and wrap it up at some point, based on the, the first five episodes that we have put out so far that you and I are now sort of discussing, what did you see, what were the one or two things that stuck out that you think we need to talk about more as a f me, you, Holly, family unit and work on consciously. I'm, we, we have to continue to learn how to talk to each other and listen to each other, crucially, listen. Uh, how did we used to talk to each other? If that, if that isn't working, how, how did we used to talk to each other? I don't really think we did. I don't think we did a lot of talking to each other. Was it just, we were so survival mode and just figuring out how to just survive the day? Yes, John, there came a point where, like I said before, it felt like all we were doing was hurting each other. And what I'm finding is, I'm not always hearing what you're saying to me, even though I believe I'm hearing what you're saying to me. What was it that we were doing that was hurting us? What was it we were doing? said we were having conversations that were hurting us what was it that was hurting us like let's let's put some light on that the inability to communicate was hurting us okay and in our infancy here to kind of get our baby steps right isn't it awful you get to this point in your life and you realize you thought you had it under control, man. Have you ever met anybody who actually does, though? Have it under I, control? I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. Do you? No. Nope. Okay. I, I don't know either. And what I'm actually starting to believe is if we were walking through life thinking we fucking had it all together with how fucked up we were, we're not the only ones. 
Not by a long shot. No. And if anything, there's most likely people who don't think that they have any issues. Oh, I know a few of them. That have a fuck ton of shit that they're not dealing with. When did you realize you were screwed up? Thank you for making it this far in our show. If you're feeling overwhelmed, that's okay. Just know that you're not alone, that we're here with you, and then we're gonna work through this together. If you need some help or assistance, dial 988 or head over to our website, www.iamnotok.com. www.iamnotok.com for a space where you can breathe. And if you want to send us an email and let us know how you're doing, we can get back to you as soon as we can and make sure that you're on the right path. Now, back to the show. I don't... Do you have a better term for that? Screwed up. Okay. When did you realize most of your life you weren't actually communicating with us? Like, when did you realize, wait a minute? The thing that comes to mind right now off the top is before Tony died, he used to tell me, John... You're just always trying to be different than everybody else. You're just different. You're trying to think differently. You're just trying to one-up everybody and be different. And after he died, I realized, no, that's who I was. So Tony thought I was somebody different, but I wasn't. I thought I was somebody different. I wasn't being true to who I was. I think we're all afflicted with not being true to who we are. And I, I was conditioned away from being who I was. But who John is, is somebody who, I, I learned to not question things because I would get hit, same as you. You learn to internally cry and sob it. I'm naturally a questioner, I'm curious, I'm very, very imaginative. All of that was taken away from me. I was not allowed to have those things. So, not and survive. So, when Tony told me that like, he thought I was just being difficult and being different, I mean, my fiance told me I was difficult. You've told me I can be difficult. And I'm not saying I can't be difficult. However, I'm realizing some people will misinterpret you being true to yourself as being difficult because they don't understand you being true. They just don't understand what that looks like and feels like. Which, like, I can look at that now and be like, that's a you thing, not a me thing. Sorry, you know? Like, and not being a dick about it, but like, not taking it on myself. Does that answer yes. your question? Yes. Okay. Well, you answer the same question. What? When, how, like, whatever you just asked me. When, like, when did I realize? Yeah, when did you realize, like, it was, is not the way it was supposed to be, or that things could be different, but I, yeah. Truthfully, John? Yeah. Not until long after I was divorced. And it's because my life growing up mirrored my life with my husband. I went from an abusive home to an abusive marriage. And my abusive marriage felt like home. 
because that's all I knew. Mm, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? I do, actually. So my husband being abusive to me was the equivalent of my family being abusive. You and attracted you, it almost. I'll give you an example. The night Brad and I decided to get, well, it wasn't the night we decided. He asked me to marry him. I said, yes, we are going to tell my parents. And we told my mom and dad that we were getting married. I don't know where the hell my mother went. She wasn't there. But my father, uh, my father said, I don't know why you'd want to marry her. She's lazy. She doesn't do anything. He went on a tirade about what a terrible person I am to the man who just said, I want to marry your daughter. And it wasn't until, God, a long time after that, I realized my father was giving my husband permission to do whatever the hell he wanted to me. Mm -hmm. I couldn't get small enough. So the point I'm trying to make is, that was the household I grew up in. Right. I married my husband. Three weeks later, Brad and I and Andrea are going somewhere in his Monte Carlo. Remember his Monte Carlo? Yeah, okay. red, red and white. Huh? Red and white. Right. I don't remember where we were going, but all three of us were sitting in the front seat. Um, he was driving, I was in the middle, and then Andrea. Hmm. And we pulled up to our apartment, and I said something that irritated him. And he hauled off and hit me across the face. In front of her? Yes. Hmm. Neither one of us reacted. It was so normal to her and me that I didn't even flinch. It, uh, and she never said, hey, that's fucked up. You no, shouldn't like, because put up with that's that. That's what we grew up with. Okay. So, so that's what I mean when I said I went from one abusive environment to another, yeah. and it took me a long time after mm -hmm. um, divorcing my husband and realizing, wait a minute, all of this was screwed up, and I'm still learning about that now. So the other question to this then is, what in the hell, how, how did I even allow myself to get into that situation again? What's wrong with me? Again, what do you mean? Because I was in an abusive family, and I marry an abusive man. Like how, that, again, I'm in an abusive situation. If you, Why? Why am I doing that to myself? It's familiar. It was something that you knew, and at the very least, even though logically wrong, subconsciously felt like home. It was Isn't what you knew. Awful? Mom, this is why... Some kids of alcoholics will go right down that road, and then some make different decisions. That's why I believe it's, it's decisions, and at some level, you grew up in that place, saw what was going on, and made a decision that this is the way it is, and kept perpetuating that until whatever happened, and you realized, no, actually, that wasn't the way it was supposed to be. That's like people attract horrible people into their lives. Think of it like a, like a radio frequency, right? Like 97.5 or 107.9, right? Like 
the, the abusers will say, play on that lower frequency at 97.5 and they're tuned into that. Well, if you, the person who has been abused your whole life, doesn't know there's other frequencies out there to change to, you'll, the way you speak, the way you are, the way you talk, what you'll put up with, those people, it's like they hear you. And so you, you give them permission until you stand up for yourself. But it's because permission was taken away from you. You're conditioned into that way of living. So it's like almost pulling yourself out and reconditioning yourself out of it. And what I'll say is I've heard so many stories of people who were abused as kids going right into abusive relationships as adults until they realize and or get hurt so bad or somebody they know dies or whatever and they make a different decision. And then they say, I'm not gonna do what I have continued to do. And then every day from that point is figuring out whatever they have to do to survive the day, the minute, the moment to get through it. And that's what we're doing. Can I tell you something? Please. I didn't know my husband was abusive because I came from an abusive house, right? I had a friend over from work. So hold on, you couldn't like look back and big picture, like dad was so nice and sweet and whatever. Was it like that, like wolf in sheep's clothing kind of thing? So all of that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so there was no signs before, no red flags. You know what, there was one red flag. Which was? Which was one night I was, um, Friday nights I would go to Brad's. Yep. That particular Friday night I was working 10 to seven. So I'd get off at seven and I'd go over. Normally it took I don't remember. We'll say 20 minutes. There was an awful rainstorm. I couldn't see. I got out of work late. Right. I don't have a cell phone. Right. I didn't think, didn't think to call him because I didn't think there was any reason. Big deal. Yeah. Some, some uh, traffic accident, your detour. It was a nightmare getting to... Getting home. Right. Right. I get there, and he started yelling at me mm. because it was late. Mm-hmm. And then he calmed down, and of course I reasoned it out. Oh, he was worried about me. Mm. He was concerned that something might have happened with me. Of course. I read it completely wrong. That was the red flag, that something happened that he wasn't expecting. Mm-hmm. And because I was supposed to be there at a certain time, it's like, I guess his imagination took over. Well, he wanted to control where you were, I guess, right? Right, right, exactly. And that maybe I was with someone else kind of thing. There you go. I don't know why the hell would think that. But... um. Insecure. That was the only situation prior to getting married mm-hmm. where I saw a different side. Okay. Okay. Now, tell me, then tell me the story about your friend now. So, you saw one red flag before, but your friend came over or something? Oh, oh. Um, friend came over for dinner. We had dinner. Sure. Made dinner, um, conversing, blah, 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 blah. I go and then and the leaving ends. I go to school or school, <laughs> go to work on Monday, and the friend pulls me aside and said, "Why does your husband talk to you that way?" And I said, "What way?" And she looked at me and she said, "He's awful to you. He's terrible the way he talks to you. He was yelling and bitching, and I'm a this, I'm a that, I'm you know the other thing." It doesn't matter who's around. He'll go off on me. Hmm. I was so used to, to his tirades 
Like you said, I turned that frequency off. I don't even think I heard it. There you go. That's what I said to her. What do you mean? You were tuned out. I was tuned out. I didn't learn that for years. Um, but that situation always struck a chord with me. And that was, hmm. for me, the beginning of, huh, maybe something isn't really right. And it's not me. That's the problem. At least not in total. Yeah. Of course, I'm part of the problem. I married the man. You know, mm-hmm. I, I have to accept responsibility for my conduct in these, right? I married him, not knowing very much about him, which was a mistake, to be honest. And we could even look at like, why did you marry him so fast? Why did you? Oh. Da, 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 there's all of these like. You want to know that? Layers of. I, do you want to talk to it? Yeah, it's not that difficult. Well, it's. Those things, I believe, help people see the overarching pattern of why you got into that cycle. So go ahead. Yeah. I married him because I thought he was so different from my family. Okay. What was so different? Curious. Yeah. He liked me. He listened to me. He wanted to talk to me. Didn't tell me I was an idiot. Only when you were together and all those kind of things? Yeah, before we got married. Before you got married. So I was swayed How by... long were you together before you got married? We met in March and got married in July. Four months? Mm-hmm. Wow, okay, yeah. No, I was wasn't pregnant. Different. <laughs> yeah, I, I was born in November, and that, was, that does not add up, so... Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but why I married him, John, was... Yeah. Again, I thought... He was different. He didn't treat me poorly. Man, he really put on a good show, huh? He did. My, um, I was nothing in my family. I was, um, just nothing there. And I thought getting married to this man would not only be um, a step forward for me, I wouldn't have to live there anymore and uh, be abused by my family. You went from one abusive situation right into the next. Yep, and again, it, it all felt normal. I think that's the unpacking of what we'll find out is so, I'm not even sure I can define normal, but let's say that's so far removed from what normal might look like that we can look at it now objectively and see that. But yeah, for me, it was Tony telling me that I, you try to be so different and then realizing that I wasn't so different but like looking at why he thought I was so different and realizing I was that way in the family dynamic growing up so that I could save myself. And then after he passed away, objectively looking at myself through the therapy that I went through with Joan and some, I've had three other therapists since then to 
to like, it's almost like I had to write it down on paper to realize how unreal it was. That makes sense. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes. Like, so you talk a lot about the logic of it. And I've learned about a lot about how the body works now. And the body, the mind, the brain, they all work together to keep you safe. So like, if you grow up in chaos, your body and brain will do whatever to, 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 to make sure that you make it out physically alive somehow. But it doesn't then shift the switch to, okay, now let's make them happy. Let's turn that switch on because they don't need to survive anymore. So that's where like a conscious thing comes in. And the conscious part was Tony saying to me, man, you're always trying to be different. No, I'm not, dude, no, I'm not, no, I'm not. And me fighting it back against that because I still in the same pattern. And then he's gone and I had to look at it differently. And be like, holy shit, my family was weird and I was weird in order to survive in that family weird, whatever the word is you want to use. My family was not a family that worked together. My family was a family that destroyed each other. And I believe we destroyed each other because we were destroyed. And so the, the truth is why I wish none of them ill will, because I know they all went through the same shit, where the line gets drawn is if you're not willing to sit here in this fire pit and have the conversations and work through it and say the words and do the things so that I know we're both on the other side of the fence, that's where it's very easy for me to say this is not worth my time because then, then it is hurting me. And being hurt used to feel normal. Like for you, being abused used to feel normal. Now I've started to realize yeah, I'd wake up in the morning all pissed off with friction in my mind already starting the day off. It's like I was being chased right out of bed. And this has been for the last 20 years of my fucking life. I hated that feeling, but I didn't realize it was normal until I stopped doing it. And I was able to stop doing it by getting conscious about how I was hurting other people from it people in my life like you and Holly and Jackie and my clients and students and people that might tell me like hey man we can tell you're going through something but like we don't know what and we care about you saying that enough or not saying it and then people that were in my life no longer being there realizing was it my behaviors that pushed them out oh, I always think it's my behavior you gotta start like actually taking ownership of that I always believe I'm the catalyst that causes something to happen. I something think, not good um, to happen. I think that's a mindset thing you could work through. I don't always think I'm the reason that people stay away from me. Now, if anything, people stay away from me because I'm so transparent. But if they're, they're not ready to be around somebody who's so transparent, that's more about them than it is me. And I don't take that personally. I don't assume the responsibility for that. And I don't make assumptions about why they don't want to be around me. Have you always felt that way? Have you always done it that way? No. Okay. No, this what? is very, very new. Okay. Yeah, in the last few years. That makes sense. Yeah, it's not... Because your memory bank of conversations we've had from way back when don't include a ton of those like I just described. Because it's... We haven't gotten to this point. Like, yeah, we started off today's conversation. There could be some sticky points when we go back and look at this tape and stuff. But I, Well, there should be. And that's, 
that is why like I'm I'm glad that we just sit here in the fire and keep slugging away at yeah, it. Exactly. And we wouldn't be able to do that this week in particular had we not had a little help recently. I true. don't think. True enough. I think we would have flared up and gotten really pissed and stormed off and left because somebody's not listening. What the fuck? Like you know? So um so yeah, like that's <sighs> It's been really challenging to to grow up the way that I did and now to realize that was all just to survive. Now, do you want to have a, a life that you can be proud of and feel successful in and not just survive? That's going to take a whole hell of a lot more work. And oh, by the way, you're pretty much going to have to forget everything you learned to get to this point. That sucks. Can I ask you a question? And that is challenging. Go. Do you miss any of them? Do family? I, do I miss any of our family? Yeah. I miss the idea of family. Yeah. I mean extended family. I miss the idea of extended family. But not the people. Look. Uh, I miss Jimmy. <laughs> I miss Jimmy. I miss Jimmy too. And, and I miss the idea that there were other people in the world who had my blood that had my back. I miss that idea. The people, look, they could be here if they wanted to, and I could be in their lives if I wanted to. I'm not saying I don't want to. What I am saying is, y'all wanna have conversation with me? Come here, sit with me. Let's talk. Let's actually get it all out, and let's deal. And if you're not willing to do that, I'm not the person you want in your life, period. That's where I'm at with everybody. I want to be around people who are growing, who are evolving, who are not just surviving and living through their old family patterns. And here's an asterisk to that. I can sit around people that have gone through the worst of the worst of the worst and sit with them in their fire, the most horrible situations, I'm not afraid of them. What I won't tolerate is people who want me to join them in their misery. That's not something I'm willing to do. I cannot take on your misery in order for you to feel better. And that's kind of where I leave it with people. Some come out of their misery and they're willing to, to look at different ways and look at different things. Some, they've become so married and so ingrained, they don't know any other way and they're certainly not willing to entertain it. It's scary. That's what I've seen. That story that they build up in their head is super real. They're not willing to change it because they they're afraid of what it might look like or who they might be. They've spent so much time oh, and energy. Yeah. They've spent so much time and energy investing in it to deconstruct it and make something new? Who wants to do that? Who actually wants to do that? Nobody no, wants nobody to do Nobody wants to. Right, yeah, you don't want to. Right. Well, why are we then? <laughs> why? Right? Uh, I maybe, told maybe you, rhetorical. I told you my prim primary reason. I feel like I have a tremendous karmic debt to repay. <sighs> you know, and I, I said in the one video that I'm taking that on too, but I'm not taking on your debt. I just feel that I, too, have 
the letter that I found when Tony died that I, that I published in my book, which you all can get, that, that was like, to see that in real time and have to deal with it, that made me kind of, that was just like, how can I live with this? How could I ever live with this and do anything good? And if I stayed inside myself, consistently always thinking about what Tony had written about me, I'd be dead by now. I took that letter, and even though it was written, and it was real, and it will never not be real or written, it was also 25 years ago, and it was a snapshot in time, and it's not who I am, it's who I was. And if I look at that as a point in history, well, if it's not the end of my life, then the history can improve from that point. That's the work that I've been doing. So from there, I want to be present in people's lives, and I want people to be present in my life if they want to be. And I want to create the space, the business space, the home space, any space where if you're really willing to to just not keep doing what you were doing and you're ready to be in a space that allows you to, to feel and think and do whatever you need to do to feel safe, <laughs> that's who I wanna be around, that's what I wanna do, cause that will change the world. That is what I have needed, that's why I have this business. You consider this an adjunct to the business? The, well, our podcast? Well, our podcast is is uh, it's like a bolt on to, like I have bare knuckle strength and I have I am not okay. But re really the, the message, what, what is it that John is trying to say? John is trying to say I am not okay. And then what's John doing about it? There's the gym, there's the talking, there's the journaling, there's have the- Have you ever met anyone that said- Mushrooms and all the other things. That said I'm okay. <laughs> Just curious. Yes, yes. I have people have lied right to my face. Yes, absolutely. And. They knew it, and I knew it, and yet they still said it. So, so yes, I do know people that will lie through their teeth, most likely, because they were like you. They don't realize they're lying. It's just normal. Man, we get fucked up, don't we? These are the cards we were dealt. We can choose to play them or we can fold them. I'm going to play them. Even if they're not the best. The point where you just... A lot of it didn't end this way. Say that again? I said, do you ever get to the point where you wish a lot of it didn't end this way? It's, it's hard. Do I wish my brother and cousin were still here and not dead? Yes. Yeah, I do. In fact, I'd give up all this growth, this podcast, my business, everything. I would prefer to be dead if they could be alive. That's how far I'm willing to go. And no, nobody wants to like see me dead too in order for that to happen. However, that's how strongly I feel about it. No, I don't wish, I, I don't know if I wish that it had been different. I, I miss the opportunities that we could have had had we, had we 
woken up earlier or had the opportunity or just decided to do the hard work sooner. I wonder how things might have been different. Let me ask you something. You said to me one time, I knew Tony was going to do this. Mm-hmm. Had things been different, would he still have done this? The only answer I can give you is I don't know. But based on what you knew about him, had things been the same, he was always going to, even if he had lived a couple extra years, you felt like he was not meant long for this world. He was just too sensitive or too... Yes. Okay. How, any, can you speak on how you knew that or what prompted just, you? Or? Just Tony's actions. Um, he talked about it in the past. He left that note. Left a note. That you found. Before he died, John, I was desperately trying to find help for him. The problem was he was over the age of 18, so I had no jurisdiction. Yeah, 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 I know, that's tough. I contacted several people. And I said, I need help talking to Tony. People in our family? I told my mother and Andrea three months before he died that I was terrified he was going to do something like that. In fact, that's the letter I wrote to Andrea. My mother and Andrea completely overlooked what I said. He said, I need help talking to my son. I'm afraid he's going to do something. And they ignored what I said. I contacted Tony's father. He ignored what I said. I tried getting Dr. Becker involved because Tony always had a... Well, I thought he had a great rapport with Dr. Dr. Becker. And it felt like no matter which way I turned, I couldn't get help. I couldn't force him into therapy. (laughs) Tony told me, if I contact the police... that when he comes out, he will do this. So yes, John, I knew. And I was trying to get him help. I'm sorry you were dealing with that alone. I didn't know all that. The worst part, John, is that no matter what happened, 
it was a double bind. Um, don't call the police or I'm going to do this. Don't do this or I'm going to do this. It was, um, it was bleak then. What was bleak? Trying to get help? The, the landscape for getting help? I felt like I failed. You did. We all did. We all failed him. The system failed him. Everything let him down. He slipped through all the cracks. So you do not have to live with that one solely on your own shoulders. Sorry, you don't get to take the weight of that. It's horrible, Mom, for you to live through that, for you to lose a child, for you to have to be in the situation, to ask your family members for help for your child, for it to fall on deaf ears, then for everything you believed could happen to come true, and then to live another 16, 17 years with it and not unpack it. Like, it's, it's a wonder you don't, like, have ulcers and a drinking problem and are on meth and have like two teeth left in your head and hanging on by a thread yourself. Like what keeps you, it's not just me and Holly, like that isn't normal to go through that level of horrendousness and then still want to get up and out and be a part of anybody's anything ever. Does not compute. So how do you do it? That one, would be one second at a time. That's how I do it. I know people ask that question all the time. How did you get through this? How did you get through that? And I've thought about that question a lot. Do you want to stop living one second at a time? Yeah. Okay. But if you ask me how I did it, it's one second at a time. Okay, so that's how you did it one second at a time. Because, how, how do we stop that? Well, right? you do it one second at a time because... You don't know what the full picture is. Yeah. If you knew how something would end, you'd likely be horrified and never even attempt to try. Agreed. Right? Mm -hmm. So that's what I mean when I say one second at a time. Okay, I got through this one, I got through this one, I got through this one. And once you get through it, you put it in the past. I, I did that. I'm not doing it again. And you keep incrementally marching forward in that, in, in that situation. There's no, there's no answers, there's no miracle. This is what I did, it was a miracle that it worked. You know what I mean? Just saying what you did, though, is valuable for others that don't know what to do. Okay. Or, or, do, do you know what I'm saying? So yeah, like, I do. It might not be the best strategy for other people, but at least they can say, oh, I know I, I can't do that one. Then they have some power and some control right, learn, there. Learn. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and that's why, like, when you ask me what I did or how did I know, like, 
That's out get, of curiosity. I get, I ask out of curiosity, but I, I really, I ask for the other person mm -hmm. that isn't in the room that needs to hear the truth no matter what it is, even if the truth doesn't, isn't right for them or isn't their truth, you know? Like, do you know what I mean? <laughs> Don't be an asshole, John. <laughs> Yeah, well, I think that's what we've teased out. Uh, I can be a dick. Yeah, sure. I can be an asshole. Um, oh, we all can. However, I believe that is actually a good skill to have sometimes. Um, most of the time, I am a kind person, and I've realized that most, well, a lot of people in my life mistook that kindness for weakness. That's where I ended up being more the people-pleaser person, always trying to, to not get hit or hurt. And then I started to realize I was never that person. I was always an independent person who was forced to not be independent. I always had an imagination. I always had a, thoughts of my own. I just wasn't able to use them. You said something about we're all weird. Or something, yeah. <laughs> I found that photo album. <clears throat> Remember that folder you kept in the photo album? The X-File? Yeah, the X-File, but the photo album. Do you remember the photo album? I, I know. I'm I don't know why the hell you had it, but... Um, having a hard time picturing it. It was my photo album. The from one with the orange yeah, uh, yeah, cover? Yeah, yeah, Oh, yes. Well, there were some pictures in there from um, graduation pictures. Gotcha. From when I graduated, friends of mine. Yep. And I happened to... I'm like, what the heck? I flipped them over, because you usually write something on the back. People write some stuff to you? Right. Yeah, Chicky, Chicky was like, just stay as weird as you are. <laughs> That was, a, that was high school, and I laughed like hell when I saw it, and I thought, oh, I've always been weird. Yeah. I found some video of me when I was in college. It was when I was doing my, um, remember when I was in the fraternity? And Ooh, I was yes. doing like my pledge week and my hell week? Yes. I took some video of that stuff. Maybe I'll find a way to wrap some of that in here. Um, there was one segment where there's like music on, and somebody was filming and they're panning around the room and they catch me for this second and I'm in the corner just like singing to myself and bobbing and just like doing this thing that like I love music I've always loved music and I didn't realize that until the last three years that that was a big part and or a part of my calling and when I look back at a video from 25 years ago to real how to realize how engrossed I was in music with all these people around, how I was just kind of bopping my head and doing my thing anyway, it helps me see, that. It, oh, that's who I was. The video, <laughs> it's totally, the video. <laughs> so there's like the some video. proof looking yeah. back at like. Not, not proof, but like you said, the fly on the wall perspective. The that scenes that it was there. yourself be yourself. Or that I had parts of, who I always was in there, even if I didn't know it was in there. Who am I? Who are you? Yeah. I mean, you are a human being who has had three kids and has been through as much or more than most people on this planet ever will and are still standing But I, you know, I could be like, you're my mom, you're Mary Jo Bear, you're, but you're so much more than all of that. 
Who are you to you? I'm the weird old lady with long gray hair. The satirical scapegoat. Well, okay. Is that who you are? I don't, I didn't identify myself as a scapegoat. Well, you do now. That's a moniker that was given to me. Bestowed. Bestowed upon me by the powers that be. Yes, I'm the scapegoat in my family. Okay. I don't know how the hell I got to be the scapegoat, though. Because growing up, again, children, when we were children, up until like middle teen years, everyone was getting abused. It wasn't just me. Yeah. The, the scapegoat role is kind of passed along like a baton. Everyone was subjected to it. My mother, my sisters, my mother, my sister, everybody subjected to the... And I guess we're doing it in, in return. We must have been doing something in return. I don't know what the hell we were doing. Though. Maybe cowering. Life back then was so weird, John. Compared to now? It was different. Uh, pe- people would lose their minds if you wore white shoes after Labor Day. What the hell kind of sense does that make? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I... That was the life I lived. I couldn't wear pants to um, elementary school. Girls had to wear dresses. So you, you did grow up in a different world. Yeah. Let me tell you something else. I was married, and I had you, a child. And I went to work for a company. It was a tennis... Um, shit, what the hell was it? It was kind of like a gym, but it was right around the time the tennis um, wave hits, like late 70s, early 80s. Anyway, hmm. long story short, I was a receptionist for the owner of this facility. He wouldn't let women wear pants. You had to wear a dress. Hmm. This was in the 80s. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You do know what I mean. I do know. Okay. That I know what you mean. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'm looking at our world today, and it's so completely different. It's like Mars. Which we're actually looking to go to anyway. Yeah, so. That's true. That's true. <laughs> but, um, man, it's, it's just... Sometimes, like, one foot back there and one foot here. That's a limbo that I, I'm not sure I can relate to. I understand, like, before we, we put on the cameras today, remember I was talking about how, yeah. like, growing up, like, with, like, before the internet and before fucking laptop computers and cell phones. Like, I remember a time before all that stuff, you know? You were born before um, debit cards. Okay, yeah. Fucking MasterCards and credit cards and shit like that. Like, it's... So I remember, I remember having the dial-up phone on the wall and all the stuff to now, like, the difference in having this handheld phone that can, like, do all these things and go, well, what is it? They say, like, the, your cell phone is, is more powerful than the first rocket that went to the moon. Like, I it's, believe it, that. It's got more capabilities. Like, so to think, like, literally I have, like, a spaceship in my pocket. Like shit like that. I know. That, like, that technology, if I stop and think about it too long, I could blow up your mind. Right. Yeah. It can blow your mind up. I've just, okay, this is what it is. I'm rolling with it. I've learned I want to be an adapter and an adopter, not a naysayer. Because what I've learned, like, I remember in 1995, 96, being 14, 15, 16, and people saying, the internet is stupid, it's a fad, it's a this, it's a that. Mm-hmm. And all of those people are now out of business. They are probably kicking themselves in the ass, really are a bunch of dumbasses that, like, 
I've started to really learn the people that are like, nope, that's not the way it's going to be, or they're so full of themselves, or they have all of this experience to show off in business or whatever, they're usually the first ones to get run the fuck over because they're not willing to change and adapt. They're the Luddites. Well, the issue is like change, death, taxes, change. Like it is that prevalent in life. And yet, here's what I can tell you. When I talk about change to my clients and people in general, people hate change. We don't want to change. We don't like it. Motherfuckers, you adapt to death. You adapt to taxes. We all have to change. So how about instead of fucking denying it, just get better at doing it? That would be like a huge win. Or just acknowledge things are going to change. You might not want them to. It might make you feel uncomfortable or stupid or whatever for a little bit. It doesn't inherently mean that it's bad. Or please put words to the change that was so bad that you, don't, you can't change anymore. That's where people get stuck with me because I want to know why you're stuck and why you hate change. Yes, it's hard. So what? It's harder to not change. Well, what if you're 80 years old? Do you expect an 80-year-old to change? If an 80-year-old... Seriously, honestly. Here's what I can tell you. I saw my grandfather, who was not happy at his life, 80 to 88 years old. Do I, did I expect him to change? No. Did I want him to enjoy the rest of his life? Yep, and that would have required change. At the well, end of his life... Happened, what happened with that? At the end of his life, I do not believe... I do not believe that he felt he lived the life that he could have, and I believe he had regrets. Do you really? I do believe he had regrets, yes. And I could tell by the language he was using. Okay. He wasn't holding back at that point. Plus, there's something about, I don't know, when you get older, your tongue gets loose. You forget all the shit that happened when you were a kid because you're closer to the end and you don't give a fuck, so you say whatever. He said whatever. And the realness came out. He was not happy. Not, not in my John Bear, this John Bear's estimation. And that made me sad. And I have some stuff between me and Pop. Maybe I'll unpack in some other episode. Mm -hmm. He abused me. He was abusive to me. And at the end of his life, I had a hard time because those were the things playing in the background for me. Yes. Not the, he's at the end of his life and he just needs me to be there. It was... At the beginning in my life, when I needed you to take care of me, you hurt me, and you didn't. And I, it wasn't a conscious, I can't be there for you at the end of your life. I was in so much pain that I missed the opportunity to be there for him at the end of his life. And that sucks. It sucks a lot. And I stand by my statement. I do not believe... He lived the life he wanted to and or I believe there were regrets he had given an opportunity to do over, he would have. It's just my estimation, which could be totally wrong. How you experience something isn't right or wrong. I know it's my experience of it. Right. Uh, if you didn't have very valid reasons for what you did at the end of Papa's life. 
You wouldn't have done them. I didn't even know all the reasons. I, I, no, I, but I, you knew there was. You, as you he was coming to the yeah. end, I I found myself with a lot of distance between me right, and him, and right. I wasn't able to put words to that until after he died. Do you feel bad? Do you feel like you're a bad grandson? No, and here's okay. what I can tell you. Okay. I can tell you almost immediately that Pop knows. Pop has heard. Pop forgives me. He knows. He's not mad at me. And anybody else here that might be mad at me, fuck you. So that's where that comes in. Like the holly and the fuck you. I really don't care what those people think of me. I don't care what any of you think of me. Um because you didn't have to live through what I did. And I don't, I don't know what you've lived through, so I, I can't Boy, put words that to that, right? So that's the... Yeah. Um, however, I can tell you, if the, any of them want to come here and have that conversation with me, I will open up Pandora's box on everything. Everything. I am not afraid of living in this world with all of this shit stewing inside of me. I am not taking it all to the grave. I'm going to put it out on tape so I don't have to live with it inside of me. I can live with it outside of me and I can learn from it, like I talked about earlier, and do something about it. Do you find that since we've been talking about these things, do you feel less or more reactive? Less. Good. Do you see me as less reactive? Yes. I see you as less um, You used to carry this energy that was like, it was like a palpable thrum of pain underneath, like this undercurrent of, of shame. Tremendous really. shame. And, and that would find its way into things. I, I sense that less from you. Okay. Yeah. I see you actively searching up in the front of your brain now, not reacting to my body and the shit that happened. I see you totally going into the prefrontal cortex, batting around these emotions, right, and then putting words to them. And that's why I'm asking and, and I'm digging and I want to get to your truth because I want you to put words to it so that you don't have to go back to that shit. Not that you are, not that you will, I'm just so I know what the other side looks like. Fuck, fuck sides. I, I chopped the fence down. There's no sides anymore. I don't have to go this one or that one. Will I can I, do both. Will I ever stop feeling that regret? I don't know. I don't know either. Here's what I can tell you. Does How, that matter, though? Does it matter? To stop feeling regret? All of it. Like, put it all behind me. Here's how I'm looking at it. I believe it's, in, I don't want to not rest in peace. Wait, what, say that again? I don't want to not rest in peace. Okay. Do you, okay. Do you know it, what I mean by when I say that? Yeah, <laughs> what's it gonna take? It, it means, so, it means saying everything. That's what it means. So that's what I'm saying the things, regardless of who it hurts or, and. In particular, yeah, something I might say might hurt you. I guarantee you it's hurting me 10 times more. It's because it's never been said before. Yeah. So, so once these things are out, I don't want to, like I said, I don't want to hurt people, and I don't want to say things 
Like, I don't want to shit on people, and I don't want to fucking, like, set somebody up in my crosshairs and be like, you motherfucker, you hurt me, I'm going to annihilate the shit out of you. That doesn't, wouldn't even actually make me feel any better. It would most likely make me feel worse. So how do I rest in pieces? I say all the things to all the people that are still here that I can. The truth is, I believe the people that aren't still here can still hear me, so I say the things anyway. Look. Poppy and Mimi and all of them who did shitty things to me or around us, they can most likely hear the thoughts rattling around in my head, or I'll say I believe they can, and definitely all these things that I'm saying out loud, because I believe they're part of the collective consciousness. I believe in a soul. I believe the energy in people's body doesn't just dissipate and go away. I believe it gets absorbed can, and or put back into the universe somehow, however fucking woo-woo way you want to say that. And we're going to do another episode on the God and the religion and the stuff like that. Don't but, you wish you knew those answers, though? Um, e- would that like bro- blow your brain apart? I think they would probably blow my brain apart. Okay. I think there is some benefit to not knowing everything and moving towards what you believe. Not knowing everything in what regard? About the universe as a whole, or your life specifically? Yes. <laughs> All of the above. <laughs> I, I believe if I, knew, like, if I knew what death was and what it would look like, I would probably act different in life, wouldn't I? I don't know. Wouldn't would you? you? I don't know. Well, think about it right here and right now. If you knew what death was, well, when you die, you go to the pearly gates or the, it's just lights out or it's, uh, you get to see your dog at the rainbow bridge or you just become part of this big thing that like touches everybody, but now you're, you're not inside your meat suit. You are outside and you're part of the, the matter that is the world. Because you, you, you do still matter. We could be quantum physics and all that kind of shit and bring some of that stuff no, in. But that let's set that aside. <laughs> Just the... I've had moments where... The most recent moment where I have had where I believed in some kind of, I don't know, afterlife and or other... Dimension? Sense, yes. It was, with, it was with an animal. And I don't know... If, did you ever meet Cricket? Yes. A couple times, right? Cricket jumped right up on my lap the first time I met him. And you told me he's not so lovey-dovey. Cricket. And he had that purr? That cat, man. The short story is Jackie found this amazing cat during COVID who was abandoned, who was sick, that people were just going to let die. He was a black cat, too, on top of it. So all your suspicious, whatever the fuck. She brought him home. And this fucking cat, man, was the best cat in the whole fucking world. We thought we might have him for like a month. He had feline leukemia and he had the awful cough and all Mm -hmm. this shit. He lived 16 months with us. It was a Sunday morning. I won't get into the whole story, but the day he died, Jackie and I took him to the veterinary clinic to have him cremated. We wanted to have his remains. We went back home, and it was early in the morning. It was like 5 a.m. where we had to do everything with him. We drove out, took the cat, and we came back. We took his body out. And it's like 7 a.m., and she was like, can we just go get something to eat? So we went to this diner right down the street from us, Lil Pete's, and we're finishing up eating, getting ready to pay the tab. It's in this little Jewish deli in Philadelphia, 
and motherfucking Purple Rain comes on the radio as we're leaving. The day Cricket dies. Wow. I love Prince. I love music. I believe that was him letting me know, bro, I made it. We're good. I'll see you when I get here. And I could be fucking woo-woo and totally whatever. That made me feel better in that moment, hearing that song, feeling like it was him telling me he was okay. I had a moment here at the gym. And I can tell you, it is the only time Tony has come to me in the 16 years since he's been gone. But I was sitting here meditating and I was having a really, really, really bad day. I had a client that was coming and I was sitting down to meditate because I needed to, whatever, I needed to be present with my client. And I had like seven minutes to meditate and at minute like five or six, there, there, my, I felt like this, let me see if I can find the right words. Like I, it, I could feel like this other's being around me because I got like a prickly sense, like a goose pimples. You know the goosebumps people get? Like I got that feeling. And I remember going, Tony, I know it's you. And then it went away immediately. And then my client walked in the door. It was surreal, but I knew it was him. It was like this moment where, and I believe, I don't necessarily remember exactly why I was having such a shitty day, but it was within the last four or five years where it's been around me cracking open. Like every day in the morning, I wasn't kidding when I said I wake up like I'm being fucking chased. No, I believe Haunted by my shitty fucking dreams and behaviors that from my past. And every day when I come in and I write them down or I start to get real or I meditate on them, that's how I have worked through it, that's when he came to me in a moment where I was so overwhelmed. I physically, John, could not do anything about it. I needed something else, and I got it. Because I asked for it. And so that's what makes me believe in a bigger power than human beings. Not God, not Jesus, not fucking religion, something universal and all of these words are so limiting that I don't even like it I just know I know there is a power bigger than human beings because if there wasn't we'd all be dead anyway what do you think death is what do I think death is yeah I believe death while we were kind of alluding to it what is your soul what gets you up in the morning that energy that spirit that whatever when you die, so I say we have like this meat suit, which is super important to use because it's your vehicle to get through life. You want your vehicle to work well, use your mind well. So get your vehicle right, those of you out there that need to. I also believe once that's gone, once it no longer biologically turns on for you, the energy inside of you gets absorbed into, I call it the collective consciousness I don't even know if that's the right term. I think it gets like uploaded or downloaded back into the universe okay, to be absorbed. Be wild, it? Yeah. And I believe it spins around until that energy is needed again or it, an evolution of it is needed or the next phase of it is needed. Do you think human beings are made up of the particles, all the particles of other human beings in the past? 
Do you know what I mean? So are we talking like reincarnation type things? Uh, partially, yeah. Like I believe there's probably tendrils of it. Yes. Like like. Uh, but there, it's 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 all different people within the tendril. Well, do you know what I'm saying? Yes. Okay. Like like I can f inside of me, I can feel you. When you told me about that situation when you were 15 years old, mm -hmm. okay, we'll get into that some other time. I can't tell you how awful I felt when you elaborated on that situation inside my body. It was horrendous. I felt it inside of me. It was like it had happened to me. That's horrible. Yeah. And most likely, like I can probably still, so I believe I've, just from research and stuff like that, they say that when a woman, her ovary, her, her eggs are being, uh, coming to maturity, or her ovaries are coming to maturity. Like, so like when a woman at 25 years old, those eggs, and then she has a baby, and then that baby at some point has a baby, those eggs were in the first person. So it's like, Holly was inside of Mimi, the eggs was. Like, that's what I'm saying. There's like a- Continuity? Continuity, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, the eggs for Holly were already being made through Mimi when she was having you and got passed to you. And then like Macklin and Marshall's kids, those eggs are already in Holly. And like, I, I don't know, I'm very speaking in paraphrasical terms and I'm probably talking about something philosophical. However, I can tell you when I heard this philosophy, it resonated as in, you are inside of your grandmother. That's how connected we are. From an embryonic stage, a, a Wait, from which matter, both, all. I mean, come on, we can go into the nuance. It, it's just I like. No, I know. It's just so, when you start going off on a tangent like this. I know, and, and I, I don't want to. I have a million other questions. I know, and we can't sit here and just fucking like dick off on like I know, okay. these like little tangents this way. What I can do is and come back around to that and find some more concrete evidence and or um, information about it. But I can tell you that the philosophy seems to be, as I'm understanding, and hopefully somebody hear this, correct me, like if I'm wrong, or like put a link in if you, oh yeah, I believe that. Um, but yeah, like basically the eggs for Holly were inside of Mimi. Wow, that's wild. Yeah, so, so yes, I, like there is particles of In my everyone. skin, in my, my DNA inside of me, a part of this like, this thing that I can't penetrate and go through, there's parts of you in there, and there's parts of Mimi, and there's parts of Poppy, and Graham, and Pop, and all of them, and that's how I know, like, all you motherfuckers were hurting, because I feel it. And I've come to understand, and maybe even accept, that there's going, there's going to be pain in life. Mm -hmm. We just don't have to continue to choose to suffer because of the pain. So that's maybe today's takeaway. You have a choice in your pain. You have a choice to do something about the things that have happened 
to you. Our choice for me and my mom today is to sit here and have a conversation about it based on the first five podcasts that we've done, based on the therapy sessions that we've gone through, based on what I'm attempting to learn from her. So hopefully, I, I hope that your takeaway is not, oh, John just overreacted to his mom in the beginning of the conversation. I hope you listened to the whole conversation because I was attempting to truly listen to what my mom was saying. And conversely, I could see her listening to me to really understand what, what it is that I'm trying to say without going, do you understand? Do you hear me? And thinking the other person does, because we didn't. And what I want out of my mom and for my mom, it's not for her to be fixed. She's not broken. It's not for her to get over her pain, to forget about it. None of that. That's not possible. What I do want for my mom and for my sister and for anybody who comes across this is to learn how to integrate that pain with the joys in your life. Learn to live with it, not because of it. Do you have any last words for anybody today, mom? As difficult as this is getting, I thought it was difficult in the beginning. It's becoming more and more, not difficult in terms of talking to each other, but difficult in terms of realizing a lot of failures on my part. Um, you know, like you said, we all have decisions to make in every situation, and I'm acutely, I'm painfully aware of the fact that I bear uh, culpability in everything that occurred in my life, okay? I've, I've always known that, John. I believe you. Okay. So I know that I walked into my marriage. My eyes were open. My father did the father thing, which was absolutely horrendous, as far as I'm concerned. Um, I made the decision to marry my husband. Nobody made the decision for me, so anything that came for marrying my husband was my cross to bear. I didn't realize that I could have leaned on other people because that just never happened in life, right? Correct. And it's taken me this long to comprehend that. That's a hell of a terrible indictment, isn't it? Only if you look at it that way. <laughs> or you could be like, you know what? At least I didn't die with all of this in me and I'm doing something about it before I get out of here. Because what regrets will you have if you don't have these conversations? I can't not have these conversations. What regrets will you have? What if I don't have them? Because we just talked about somebody who had regrets. I'll have all the regrets in the world if, I, if we don't have these conversations. Bingo. And that's my point is... I don't want you to be unhappy. Oh, and what that looks like is different for me and you. Right. Oh, exactly. And happiness, exactly. I don't believe, is a static goal. I believe there's happiness. Okay. Pain and joy. Okay. They work together. You cannot have all the happiness without no pain. People are going to die. Things are going to die. Right. Uh, stuff is going to happen. You're not going to get the job. Somebody else is going to be the, the smarter person, the better looking person, the whatever looking person. And, and you still have to live. And you get to live. You don't have to. Tony showed us that. There is a choice. 
You do not have to live. You get to live. And if you want it to be happier, you have a choice and you have a decision to make. This can be exhausting, can it? Yeah, it can. Peace out, everybody. Have a good one. <laughs> Thank you for listening to our show. If you're interested in how we've gotten this far, I've put together a small guide that has a three-step process at no cost. You can get that at www.imnotok.com backslash truth. www.iamnotok.com backslash T-R-U-T-H. Thank you so much. Look forward to seeing you on the inside. Be well.